HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. I go into the into the coffee shop that we, we usually sit by, and I come back, and Brian is like, you know, furiously tweeting and Facebooking as usual, <laughs> like it's his job. And there's just this picture of bows. One of them's like a chicken bow, and there's like two pork belly bows. And there's a bottle of Stumptown coffee behind it, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. what the f is this? I don't even. This is just the background image of the podcast. <laughs> is the is the only is the only response i have to this so if you don't know what a bow is it's like um they call them like what are they like taiwanese street burgers yeah, or like hong like, kong street burgers it's basically some sort of like sandwich on a steamed bun yeah they're real i mean so there used to be this place called Bauhaus where we used to go when was your office near there back in the day yeah yeah it was on rivington and our office was uh, is on grand street so and then then they moved to like the east village yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, on, to, they're on 14th street between second and third avenue i used to always go there because it was like kind of near bella's school it's steve Satan. Hey. just in time for us to be talking about bauhaus so, oh man i love bauhaus yeah so did you see what i can get at bauhaus now Sumptown coffee. let's go hey you know even <laughs> though i just bought this coffee we could just go by the google building remember when we had the 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 what did we have that day when i lost yep. the podcast Fire cakes? oh yeah but the coffee was so good <laughs> I and I have a good it yet. It's I really work good. around the corner from there now. It's really good. Yeah. Well, actually, also, we, so I went, uh, I was wandering around the city today, and Kevin and I, Kevin Ann and I walked into Uncommons NYC. Oh, that's a so new, this is a, it's a oh, that's a new game it's store. It's a new game store. They kickstarted their game store. Really? Yeah. They kickstarted it. It's like a board game cafe, and they sell, like, coffee, and, like, I had just, like, drunk this Stumptown coffee, yeah. and was actually, like, caffeinated beyond, like, where I can normally be caffeinated. Yeah, that, and, that doesn't uh, exist for me. It doesn't exist for me either, but certain coffees, certain really good, like, cold brews will yeah. actually hit me, hit me pretty hard, and so, but Kevin, have, they have, like, some, they're, they're like, coffee snobs there. That's awesome. It's yeah, games actually, and coffee snobs. I walked by them when they were still under construction, and I took a picture of their hiring sign because I was unemployed at the time. <laughs> I was thinking about dropping off a resume. <laughs> now hiring baristas, magic but now gathering you're the bu- experts. <laughs> baristas and magic gathering experts. Look at it. Look at it. I you, took a picture. You might be uniquely qualified for this position. That's what I thought. I was like, I've been thinking about having a nervous breakdown, maybe, and oh, not working for a oh, while. Me awesome. too. <laughs> you thinking about that one? Yeah. That's on your list of things. It is. <laughs> Yeah, so my wife's like, "Yeah, I, I can get a job." I'm like, "I don't, I don't think you understand." Me having a nervous breakdown and not working is different from most people. <laughs> I would just still work. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I mean, I'm thinking about having a nervous breakdown and not working until I can stop drafting the red white deck on Magic Online and Thurs, of course. <laughs> well, if they run another PTQ tomorrow, that might happen sooner rather than later. All right, so actually, uh, I guess we, I guess we, that kind of, that we kind of have to talk about. No, that, we, right? we can in a second. Hold before we get before we go on. So earlier this summer, so Steve, Steve came to my, you came to my apartment once, right? So we, yeah, we, we had Bonchon. We had Bonchon, and I owed Steve Bonchon on account of I made a bet with him last <laughs> basketball season. I got destroyed on the bet. I bet that the Timberwolves were going to be a fifty-win season. I was imagining this Timberwolves team. Right, I take the not, other side of that action now. <laughs> not last the Minnesota diehards last yeah. year. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah, but so it was no, actually, seriously, they, they fielded a team. 
that was entirely made up of diehard villains throughout the series. A Russian guy, a German guy, a you Swedish guy. You understand that there was a spot. You understand that this was five white guys on okay. the court at once. Right. And That's not a formula for success no, in the NBA. Their two best white players were injured at the time. <laughs> they had a, they had a they had a starting lineup at one point that was three point guards. <laughs> Oh, I'm jealous. So. Yeah, you know who else is jealous? Everyone in the Indiana Pacers exec room. Um, so anyway, uh, but I was imagining the team that's playing this year plus Kirilenko. That was the team. Where I was like, yeah, obviously this is a 51 team. I didn't realize that, you know, you didn't realize AK-47 was going to sign with the Nets for a case of AK-47s. <laughs> I was actually going to say, you know. Fist push-ups, you know, <laughs> McGee. <laughs> Fist push-ups, McGee, and uh, but yeah. So obviously, this is the team I was envisioning. Yeah. All right, so yeah. I'll, ma- I'll make you a different. I'll make you a 2013-2014 bet. It's going to be immortalized on this podcast okay. about bats. Okay. Um, I bet. I bet you that the Cavs have a better better record at the end of the, of the regular season than the New York Knickerbockers. All right, a standard wager. Bonchon dinner. Bonchon dinner. Just standard a wager. straight up yeah. better All better right. record. Deal. All right. Think I'm in two on that. What? So, I'm in too. So you're you're taking the Knicks. Yeah, I'm taking the Knicks. So you're taking the Knicks. You're taking the Knicks, and I'm taking yeah. the Cavaliers. All right. So I could potentially owe two Bonchon dinners on Correct. this, or you could potentially have the two of us split one Bonchon dinner for you. <laughs> but think about how sweet that Bonchon yeah. dinner would be, because my Cavaliers it would look... be it would be salted with our tears. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, to phrase, you know, to use an old top eight magic uh, phrase. I mean, I, I I think that my team is well capable of the 37 wins necessary. <laughs> to make <laughs> to make the elimination rounds in the east <laughs> what do you think the lines 37 I say 30 37 wins is, is a is a playoff team in the east this year oh, that's interesting the Cavs muster like 25 wins it's like, like there's like, some kind of like weird negative energy on the east coast in sports it seems like the NFC East and football is pretty much going to be seven and nine is going to win the division and like and maybe maybe a nine and seven team in the West won't make the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like Giants are back in it. They're in it. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you look at like the East, so it's kind of not fair because you've got like the Pacers, you've got the the Miami Heat. I mean, it, obviously the Bulls are are what? not really what the, the I mean, Bulls obvi- are supposed to be. Obviously the Heat don't show up until later in the yeah, season. They don't care. But they don't look. Amazing this year. They made well, the LeBron's finals. They made the finals hurt. as a three seed. Oh, is he? Yeah, his back is giving oh, him okay. trouble. But they made the finals as a three seed two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't. They don't care. Yeah. Like, who who's gonna stop? They also them? They, they might get a Boston, right? I mean, on a buzzer beater three. I mean, like any given any of any were, given. You understand that, season, you understand that Boston's 1%. actually trying to miss that shot, right? Like they're actually just tanking. I, not so, not tanking. Jeff Green. He plays with a lot of heart. <laughs> <laughs> tanking is such a bad strategy. It's like it's insanely bad. Like if you look at the number one draft picks from the last few years, let's say Anthony Bennett. <laughs> No, and, but anyway, any of them, right? Any of the number one draft picks. They're what, real- did, what did Andrew Bynum say to Anthony Bennett? At least we're not Andrea Bargnani. No, he's like, you want to pick <laughs> a back ride? <laughs> Die. Ow, Everyone, my ever. knees. Ow. Wanna go, let's go bowling. <laughs> oh, man. If we join a, bowl, a top eight magic bowling By the way, Bargnani, you know, he, he put up 25 points the other night. That is like a year's output for Bennett at this point. <laughs> I don't know if Bennett's going to make it to 25 <laughs> points. He's got one field goal in seven seven games. He oh, has one called, field goal. Some sort of side bet for Bennett versus Bonyarni? Uh, no, I mean, like, what do you? Uh, what bet would you put? What bet? Who gets put? booed more at home? <laughs> oh, no, they're, they're not booing. They're like, I don't know. They're not. They're not booing him. 
What about if he wore a New York Yankees cap and a LeBron James jersey? Well, <laughs> he probably wouldn't make it out of the arena alive. But the, uh, anyway, so... <laughs> Well, All right, what, so if we join a uh, Top 8 Magic bowling, bowling league, yeah, can you want to invite? No, can we be the Bynums? The Bynums? Yeah. I think it's a little mean-spirited, a little bit. I don't why. He likes bowling. <laughs> <laughs> like us. Remember when we had a team name called the Dave Price Fan Club and they wouldn't let us play with that name on, yeah. the, on the Pro Tour? Yeah. And so yeah. instead we used a pornographic name that they let us play on. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, our name was the, the punchline of a filthy joke. One of my favorite filthy jokes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, wait, so you won't let us play with the name of a person who we are actually fans of, who is our good friend, but you will let us make references to an oversized vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how it works. And they were like, yep, sure. It was also to okay. Be fair, to be fair, Scott Larrabee's never quite <laughs> forgiven me for it. <laughs> Speaking of things that people have not forgiven other people for, how about that Josh Bennett line in the Derek Krakauer? <laughs> <laughs> had you not seen that before? I, I had read it. I did not realize that this was an unforgivable curse. I didn't realize that this was next to Aveda Kedavra at Imperio. Well, so, so, so there's this weird thing. Chris Manning's playing on Magic Online recently, and he plays against some guy named Gary Krakauer, who we can only assume... Is two-time former Canadian national champion, <laughs> Gary Krakauer. But he's basically a giant asshole. On, bo- so on, I- on Magic Online to, to Chris Manning, who... Yeah. Who was this huge fan of Gary Krakauer? He was a, a Gary Krakauer fan. He was like Krakauer. Yeah, he's like yeah. Gary Krakauer taught me how to draft three colors. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll leave that aside I for mean, the moment. Tim McKenna said you should have been more mad at him for that. But he's just like just really like sneering and dismissive. I don't actually believe it can be Gary Krakauer. Like why? Because it just doesn't. I've, I know I've known Gary. He's never seemed like that to me. So, but the thing is, like he always seemed a little drier and a little just kind of more. I played Gary a bunch in uh, back in the day, you know, when I played in the Ohio Valley, and even yeah. when I played here in the New York area, because you know, I guess Toronto's close to none of those places. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I played him a bunch, and I cannot, um, I can't imagine either that I played as well as a 2013 Chris Manning. <laughs> that, that's well beyond my abilities yeah, today. Not, in, not forget, in your range. <laughs> not in my range. Forget about back then when I was just like the biggest bumbling bungle bungle but I, I can i'm pretty sure that it's my lineup bungle bynum bungle my lifetime record at, but I, the worst is i used to think i was so good i was just like i'm so good i'm on the pro tour get out of my way you know like um but i can't i can't recall ever coming close to losing to gary so, so i'm just like but i just defeated him repeatedly and he was never mean to but me but anyway so i that's what i sent to chris yeah. manning in response to his little email to the mailing list about this, you know, tirade yeah. from Gary. It was pretty out. mean. It was pretty mean. Uh, was this link to a Canadian national <laughs> grinder? <laughs> Canadian fans. Canadian let nationals the, grinder. Let the Pro Tour historian repeat what this is featured match coverage. So when you think of yourself, I'm going to go play in a PTQ. It was slightly less prestigious yeah, than that this is, tournament. This is round five of the Canadian Nationals grinder. grinder. And, Two-time uh, national and, champion Gary Krakauer. And, and Josh, Josh Bennett opened up the feature match coverage with Gary Krakauer was a shell of his former shell. <laughs> <laughs> Which is apparently among the most brutal <laughs> opening lines ever written in coverage. Just one of the all-time great phrases, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I try to work. That and garbage wrapped in skin. Or two of my favorite. It's just something like you know, like he's garbage wrapped in skin. 
just like talking about a person. I like that phrase. It's, yeah. it's been used to describe multiple magic players. I can't narrow it down for you. Okay. So, um, oh, speaking of which, I have a great story about a magic player who is notorious for being an unscrupulous player. Notorious for his cheats. Uh, possibly the most famous player of all time in that regard. Can I guess? Uh, Can I guess? Sure. Is it the rabbi? No. No, no, no. It's, it's not the rabbi. No, no, no. Although he came up in the same conversation. <laughs> uh, more famous, obviously. So, the rabbi, if you don't know who he is, was ejected from a pro tour. Then from Worlds. When somebody, said, when somebody says rules lawyering, they don't normally mean actually bringing a lawyer in. <laughs> and then mysteriously made the top eight of the event <laughs> after being ejected. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, no, this, this, is, this is a Mike Long story. Oh, I guess he is more famous yeah. for being unscrupulous. <laughs> so this not is a Canadian, player, though. This is a player here in the New York area. I'm not going to re- reveal yeah. names. This is I heard this not from this person. So, but basically, when he found out that Mike Long had a reputation yeah. for not playing fairly, he was playing near Mike at a PTQ in New Jersey. And what Mike, year? Oh God, demonic consultation in a PTQ. Oh, 1997. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. Um, it's the, the match is over, and Mike walks away from the table, according to the way this story goes. But his demonic consultation pile of cards gets left to the side. He walks away without them. And this player, who... Will remain nameless. Will remain nameless, steals these cards. Yeah. Sells them all to a dealer, except for the Wastelands, which he gets Mike Long to autograph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, this is more like 1999. <laughs> Mike was playing my deck. <laughs> so, oops. So back. I know. By the way, I know where your wastelands are then. <laughs> Background to this story. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, play- I'm playing with John Becker, <laughs> who is, who is a, you know, a member of the Tongo Nation. <laughs> and uh, the team deck at the, that was a white weenie, Pete Lyre, it was a Grand Prix. And Pete Lyre. Was that the, actually- was that the, the, Something gun or the Richmond gun? No, no, straight white weenie oh, okay. with a. They used to call her. Richmond Sally. gun's one of my favorite. I want to say I want to say Sally the Soul Warden because Sally was the name of Mike Long's girlfriend slash wife at the time. Okay. And Soul Warden looked exactly like her, so they all called all the Virginias called her Sally, right? Okay. So uh, Pete Lyre actually went undefeated in, on day one of this Grand Prix until he hit Scott McCord, and I think he might have still made top eight. Um, it was Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, it sounds familiar now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm playing Becker, and they're like, whatever, they're the Tongo team. But Becker's our good friend, right? So even though he's a Tongo, I'm still friends with him. So I'm just destroying all the Tongo decks with my with my uh, Hatred deck. And Mike's like, Mike's like, oh, I think I'm going to play your deck instead. <laughs> and then, so he goes switch my deck. He's like, but you know what you really should have is Vampiric Tutor. So I have four demonic consultations in my Black Beatdown deck, because I'm just like... Ritualing out guy, consulting for wasteland, you know, him and, you know, destroying people with that. Where he's like, oh, if you, it's like having a fifth demonic consultation. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And he's like, so I'm like, oh, I don't have any though. I guess I'll have to go buy one from the dealer. And he's like, go buy me one too. And this is how I know that NLP works. Because <laughs> I bought him the demonic consultation and it was like $13. So anyway, so I, I just give it to him apparently. No, sorry, vampiric tutor, not, not yeah, demonic yeah, consultation. Yeah. So I just give it to him, right? And long story short, apparently those wastelands were lost to the Aether. But the best part was, Chris Pakula comes up to me. He's like, I have to thank you for playtesting. He's like, rather than exiling you from our playgroup for playtesting with Mike Wong, I'd like to thank you. Because he didn't make day two. 
But I'm bump. Yeah, except for the wasteland. <laughs> I wonder if that kid got more than thirteen dollars for the vampire tutor. <laughs> hey, probably, probably not if you're selling it back to the dealer. <laughs> it's a rigged game. I don't know yeah. if you know that. <laughs> wow, these are some really good stories. <laughs> so, the idea that I wanted to have this podcast to be called Gauntlet because the uh, the uh, the Gary Krakauer uh, email from. From Chris Manning reminded me of this thing we had called the Gauntlet. You didn't play in Magic Tournaments way back in like the late nineties, did you? No, you no. started playing. You started playing like in Asian Block, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, 2000, 2000. So, you ever forgive me for selling you like the blue white deck? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> I made my whole life. I don't know. <laughs> so, Steve, you've done you've done a ton of shows, right? You've done a lot of um, you know Watsy coverage. Yeah, it probably worked like you've, fifty shows, sixty shows. You've been the editor of Star City Games. Can you possibly imagine this happening at, say, a major Magic tournament where, like, a bunch of pros, call it like ten, fifteen pros, set up a table where five people sit at the table, sell tickets to play against them for five bucks, and then like for actually for however much money you want to bet, you could buy a ticket for. Okay. And if you beat all five of us, you get paid back ten to one. Can you imagine that happening now? No. <laughs> Can you imagine the people who are running the Pro Tour or whatever it is letting, say, me use the microphone <laughs> that, that operates the playroom to advertise this every few times an hour? It was no. the wild, wild west back then. <laughs> well, wait. <laughs> 10 to 1? 10 to 1. Okay, 10 to 1. But you've got to be... You so, have to go 5-0. You have to go 5-0. So, here so against, against, against five decks that are five. essentially rigged right. in such a way that you can't just, like, oh, I'm going to play Sly and get past all five of them. Jason Opalka actually did that at a Pro Tour. Like, he beat... The original version of the Gauntlet, I think, was run by uh, was by, run by Team Demonic Attorney at a much smaller scale. And Jason Opalka actually beat their Gauntlet at Pro Tour New York 1997, which is where I got the idea. And we leveled it up. So, like, we had maybe 10, 15 speaking, guys. Speaking of Jason Apollo, just won a PTQ. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So. And, and he also got a free cake or pie. Not totally clear from the picture. <laughs> so, so just so you understand, it's 10 to 1. Or he bought his own cake or pie and wrote PTQ champion on it. Also not right, clear so from the picture. It's 10 to 1, right? So okay. this might be your table that you have to beat. Yeah. Bob Maher playing Oath. Okay. okay. It's, one of, it's one of the five people. Sure. Okay. <laughs> right, so you get 10 to 1 payout if you just beat Bob, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> You've also got to beat, like, Bill Macy playing Macy Rock. Okay. <laughs> Uh, like, I, I don't know, like, um, I, I played a bunch of different decks. I think we had, like, Pat Johnson was playing, uh, playing, like, Pros Bloom. We had to play, like, five, we had, like, we had, like, a rotation of, like, maybe eight decks. And, like, ten-plus notable players were behind each of those, each of those chairs. This is more rigged than any Carney game I've ever heard <laughs> So, of. the reason I thought of Gary Krakow was Gary Krakow actually plowed through... The first four guys, like, for, like I don't know, like maybe two hours deep into our gauntlet. We played for, I think we played for something like 12 consecutive hours. We were not smart back then because we had tournaments to play the next day. We just stayed up all night in the open playroom using Watsi's mic, by the way, right. to get <laughs> to get suckers to play against Bob Maher. Um, and uh, and so uh, so Krakauer beats like four guys, and then I'm like, I'm, and I was just running like taking concessions or whatever, and I'm like, I'm like, hold this bag of money. <laughs> None shall pass. <laughs> so I played. Uh, I, I played Gary Krakauer in the like the white weenie, whatever Richmond Gun white weenie yeah. jank mirror, yeah. and I destroyed him because I knew that I had a good matchup against Gary Krakauer. 
<laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, oh, two-time national champion Gary Krakow, or Canadian national champion, is about to beat the gauntlet. No, no, sir. <laughs> Bill Macy, hand me those Soltari visionaries. <laughs> And I, I, I firestormed the bejesus out of him. And then Soltari visionaried his, like, imperial armor or whatever was necessary to win. Um, but actually, believe it or not, right before we closed up shop at about 5 a.m. the next day... How'd you do with that Pro Tour? No. Wait, you're uh, doing this the night before a Pro Tour? Oh, no, in between days. In between days <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Pro Tour? <laughs> I fell asleep after round two like the seal deck portion the next day and dropped. By, by the way, seal deck portion the next day is... Oh, that was a PTQ. That was, oh, yeah. that was, I was out, obviously. What are you kidding? I wasn't that stupid. So, um... So, uh... The, uh... uh yeah, that obviously. But I paid my entrance fee. Was I'm an idiot. An idiot. So, but actually, so this is actually kind of like the genesis of Righteous Babe, kind of. So, um... Brian Kowal yeah. beat four players, none of whom were me. And so John Schuler was the last person left standing. And the matchup was John Schuler with Oath, Brian Kowal with Stompy. Oh. And Stompy defeated John Schuler on a max bet. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's how he became friends? And then we, we ended up being... Just so you didn't have to pay him? <laughs> um, Be your friend. <laughs> well, no, we paid him. I was pretty mad. I was mad because Schuler mulliganed a hand that was like... Paid him, but was swiped like, his wallet think, later. <laughs> he, uh, he, he mulliganed a hand, I think it was Six Lands Impulse. And I was like, I would have kept... Um, it's a tough hand to keep. We knew our opponent was playing Stompy. Actually, that's maybe that's a good... Schuler was like, yeah, I knew my opponent was playing Stompy. I was trying to mulligan harder into an automatic win hand. Yeah, like, he, he can win on an oath hand, right? Yeah, but he got he got destroyed. Yeah. yeah, I think he, like, I think he mulliganed the, like, maybe, like, into one yeah, land. I, 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 think, I, think I think you have to mulligan that hand, almost no matter what. I would have kept that hand. I, what if I just, mul- what if I just, you know, impulse into oath What there? if you just draw an oath on your mulligan? That's yeah. six cards instead of four. I think he might have with one hand, with one land. How many lands is he playing? Is he playing? I know he's playing 20, at least 20, six. 21 lands. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, but isn't that, that's, can you imagine that happening today? No. Wouldn't the world be a million times better if that happened? Oh, yeah, we could be set up, you know, carny stands everywhere. Yeah, the world would be way better. So, if you can beat all five of us and then guess Jason Opalka's weight (laughs) within five pounds, you win 10 to 1 on your money or the giant stuffed thibble thip. So, so here's the best part. This is is insane, right? So, we're like about four hours in or something, and then, like, the lines start dying down. At the beginning, it's insane, right? Right, it's mob, mob, right? But the lines start dying down. When it becomes obvious that no one can defeat the gauntlet, right. people stop getting in line. But then Dave Williams plays the Dominator. The Dominator was a Sliver's pre-constructed deck with the card Mind Games in it. Mind Games is tap a permanent buyback. Okay. So he's playing literally a pre-constructed deck. His first matchup is Patrick Lennon Johnson playing Prosbloom. And Patrick J draws a, a slow hand that includes a city of brass and Dave Williams kills him by mind games in the city of brass until he's dead which is just an unbelievable story but when I told that story up on the microphone the lines came back up They're like, Dave Williams playing a pre-constructed deck just beat a combo player with mind games 20 times you, actually that was, that, that was in LA right? that was on the boat? no it was uh no, I don't. Do you remember? Do you remember when we did the the World Series of Money draft on the boat with the dojo? It was me and you. We ran that. 
No, we didn't, did we? Yeah, we did. It was like all the teams bought in for like Buku Cash and. Are you sure that I did that? It was it was with the dojo. Oh well, maybe that was before my time. No, no, I'm pretty sure you were there. I'm pretty sure it's me I and you. Think this seems like the are you just thing are, I you just trying, are you just trying to have plausible deniability there? I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I I don't even know if I should have mentioned this. I was just talking about gambling against like, insurmountable odds until 5 a.m. We kept playing until people stopped. I mean, obviously, at some point, people are falling asleep and going to bed, right? But, I mean, I had to spike Gary Krakauer. That was that was the nuts. Yeah. I firestormed all of his little white weenies away. Right. Now, by the way, I just love the idea that either Gary Krakauer is running around being very mean to players who are better than any of us <laughs> yeah. on Magic Online. Yeah, Chris and, or, and among the nicest people yeah, on Earth. Yeah, oh, yeah. Chris Manning, okay, just so you guys know, if you're from Canada, you, you might not know this. Chris Manning went to Harvard, okay? He's a Harvard graduate, and he has a Grand Prix top eight on the season, if you don't know who he is. Multiple time uh, Pro Tour uh, competitor, and but sadly a former member of Team Move Games. Yeah, yeah, sadly. So, man, just great guy, great player. I thought Devin Lowe had to play Magic. Oh, he wow. Did. Yeah, they, no they, they grew up in uh, New England together. So either... Harry Krakauer is running around being really mean to people like Manning. Or there's a Gary Krakauer impersonator. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very bizarre. I, I thought it read very bizarre when, when I was looking at the chat log. It, it was like really mean, you know. It was really mean, but, I, it also, but it also just felt like, it just felt out of character from I, the Gary I know. I, I don't know. I mean, even if Gary's going to be mean, I don't think he would say, like, at least you know your place or something. That's yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah, really. It seemed weird. I, I used to play against this guy. I, I meant to ask Matt Vienno about it like, huh. on Facebook. Today, I'll ask him tonight. We'll find out. Yeah, is there a very mean Gary Krakauer person? <laughs> yeah, or is Gary? Yeah, or is Gary? I mean, maybe Gary just like you know snapped. Maybe he's falling. You know, it's like falling down of magic. You know, he's just not going to take it anymore. He's just like, I'm just going to tell all these so and so. One night I was playtesting, playtesting with this guy named Irvin Tormos, and like playtesting, playtesting, and then I'm like, oh, good games, Irvin. He's like, this is an Irvin Tormos. This is Owen Turtenwald, and it was Owen Turtle Turtle the whole time. But it wasn't Irvin. No, was it actually Irvin Tormos? So when I voted for Irvin Tormos, I was actually voting for Owen Turnwald? I don't. In this one particular case, I thought I was playing against Irvin Tormos, which was logical based on the fact that his name was like Irvin Dot Tormos. <laughs> <laughs> when it, it turned out to be Owen Turnwald, that he was like sick burns. It's, it's Owen Turnwald. Gotcha. He, like, he like chatted me a bunch. He's like, remember that time that I pretended to be Irvin Tormos, <laughs> but it was really me, and you didn't know. Ha ha ha. It was like one of those. That's one of the worst long cons I've ever heard of. It wasn't even that long of a con. We played like three matches one night. You know, oh, so it was like, a short, oh, let's, oh, short con. Oh, okay. yeah, it's like, right, yeah, yeah, let's let's play test this red deck wins versus right. black white matchup. You know, so we got we got we you know you're talking about magic online. I mean, I think this has like been if you were following Twitter or Facebook or, or your friends with Brian Kibler. or your friends with Brian Kibler. Yeah, like wait so. To be clear, he just wrote a blog post and it got promoted to the Star City front page from his blog. Yeah. That's ha- that happens? That's a thing? Didn't yeah, happen on my it. watch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, in my, in like, my experience, you just get demoted from Star City to my blog. There's certainly... There's cer- <laughs> <laughs> that, that certainly uh, seems to be a prevailing wind at Star City, which is like, you know, kind of be nasty to Watsy product, but, you know, whatever. Really? I, I, find, is- I find that to be... Certainly find that to be the case. Like, you know, people... They, it's very easy for people to... Um, sort of stand up on top of their own sort of bitterness. Like, I'm not saying that there's... Believe me, I'm not in any way saying what happened this weekend was, 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 was let's, not... Let's was it just, all good? I just... 
I just don't feel like the need to like pile on. So let's let's just recount for people who don't know what happened. Two huge Magic Online events crashed this so, weekend. The mocks and a PTQ, both with you know hundreds upon hundreds of players and notable players in position. And notable, right? Well, Brian Kibler was number one in the leaderboard going yeah. into round eight of the mocks. So he was seven and zero, oh, and his breakers were so good that even if he lost the last two rounds, yeah. he would have still made top eight. Yeah. Um, but it crashed and he couldn't get back on. Right. Uh, and obviously he's not going to be. And they're like, well, we'll we'll do we'll do a makeup mocks or something. But Kibler has to travel every weekend, you right. know, for work or whatever, yeah. and, and you know, playing in real life Magic tournaments. Yeah. He it felt was, like it was this a was precious, his shot. It was a precious weekend for him to play Magic. We've all, had, I mean, certainly even more like as he's you know now he's in this you know very serious relationship and you know he's he's working you know it's, it comes harder. It's like being a he's he's practically a married man a married man of Magic. Oh no. You don't have to remind it's, me. It's really difficult to get that weekend away. Right? right before my first child was born, I went crazy playing in tournaments, tried to back, get back on the Pro Tour the first time. Then it turns out I could still play in Magic tournaments after my first child was born. Played on the Pro Tour like three more times, and then I haven't played since my second child was born. Yeah. <laughs> Very few windows. Yeah. I understand the so, the preciousness factor, you know, by Sapphire. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, you know, I mean, I think. I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, Kibler's contention was that the Magic Online Championship shouldn't exist. I think you that know. that's probably an overstatement. I, I, think your, it's, I think it's a wild, local level I think, I think it's a wild overstatement. I, I think that, I, I think that the thing, I, first of all, like, I, I think Steve and I can both speak to this. Like, I think, very, and, and Kibler can certainly speak to this. He also has the same, very similar experience that we do of having designed digital card games and both have all three of us having worked on physical digital uh, <laughs> card games, like card games that are both physical and digital. The same ones. The same ones cases, in yes. some cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's like I don't think people have any idea how ridiculously complicated it has to be. Oh yeah. To like everyone just you, know, you always hear people say, "Well, why don't they just do this and fix Magic Online?" Or I don't think people have any idea how uniquely unsuited. To being a digital game, magic is. And so, you're getting strained in so many different directions if you're working on Magic Online. So you need to get new sets in every couple of months. Hundreds of new cards, tens of dozens thousands of, of new interactions, dozens of, dozens of new mechanics, right? Like, yeah, just that you have to build from the ground up. And like, and like, it's weird, right? So you have a card like Daxos and a card like Psychic Intrusion, and they both let you play cards from your opponents. Like, so Daxos exiles the top card of your opponent's library, and you can play it this turn using mana of any color as if it was whatever color you imagined it to be. I think that's the official wording. And then <laughs> Psychic Intrusion lets you play a card at any time after you've Psychic Intrused it from your opponent's hand or graveyard, right? Like, you know, cards that are seem like, well, if I could program one of these, I could program both of these, right? But they're actually two completely different cards, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and in using, fact, programming using, one of them may make it much, <laughs> much more difficult to program the second one because you already have some of these rules laid down. So is, is Magic like a substantially... Not, I mean, to, not to dumb down the discussion too much. Sure. Is it substantially harder to program than, let's say, League of Legends? Yeah, well, I mean, League of Legends is a totally different type of it's game. It's a different kind of game, but, sure. But, 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 but yeah, the comparison that people make is Hearthstone, Hex, and Soulforge, right? Those are the three digital TCG launches this year. That you know, Hearthstone's been, a, I think, a tremendous success for Blizzard. Um, you know, it's based on the World of Warcraft property. It's gorgeous. It's got this really kind of super clean user interface, and the you know the user experience is obviously just really good. 
and it's really kind of a comforting IP for people, you know, and, and it's really, but it's a game designed uniquely, I mean, designed to solely inhabit the digital gaming space. Like, there is not some, incri- like, you know, all right, I'm playing a game of Magic, and I, yeah. Hi, I don't know you at all, but uh, I recognize you from the podcast. Oh, hi, we're doing that right now. That's amazing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, okay, I don't mean to interrupt, but... Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Fun we, we, we go for it. <laughs> yeah, say hello. <laughs> I told you to stop posting pictures. <laughs> I didn't post a picture this time. I posted the picture last time. But oh. you see how it deflected that onto you? That's yeah. like when you got the nickname Greedy M. <laughs> and, and you're the greedy one. I'm anyway, the greedy one. <laughs> so, you know, I attack with a guy. Ability goes on the stack. I tighten strength it. And you go to lightning strike my guy. And then I God's willing. Right? Like, that seems like super easy to program, right? <laughs> but, like, just in it terms of... seem easy to me. Well, I mean, but, like, people just don't take it for granted that that's how the cards work because you have all these shortcuts to that sequence of plays when you're playing a physical game. Like, I do this, you do this, you do this. But, like, online, I have to allow you... Every single thing I do creates two priority yields. Yeah, the stack opportunity. You have to yield, and then the next thing happens. And so that's all going to result. And that just... And that's not even getting into the cards now interacting... Right. And and uh, you know the the rules interactions and split second. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine how many programmers were just hitting their heads. I, against I think their that keyboards. So some people probably are are a little a little up in arms about, it, and I think so, might be might it be should be. I mean, it's it's it's. It, I would be I would be incensed if I was Brian. I mean, I, I totally understand where Brian's I coming mean, from. Didn't Todd Anderson have a similar situation where he was about to yeah, win everyone's, the PTQ? Every, everyone's had a, had something fairly similar. I first of all, so a couple of people have made this claim that like, well, they're like, oh, AJ and Todd and Joe Spanier all complained about this and no one cared. It's like, to be fair, I love or like most of those guys. You love AJ. I love AJ. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've grown. I've grown to like Todd. I, I didn't always like Todd, but I, I've grown to really like him. And I'm, I like Joe. But those three guys aren't Brian not, Kibler. They do no, <laughs> not even that. It's not even that. That's like Brian Kibler is a sort of a unique singularity of, of of magic off by himself. They just complain about everything all the time. That's all they do. I mean, not that if, there's anything no, wrong there's with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but actually, there is. Do, complaining is just worthless. Do, but if all you do is have this negative tone and this kind of complainy tone, then people just tune you out. I don't listen to their complaints. I just ignore them. I actually discredit their arguments they're in my head because they just I just assume that they're always complaining. I hate to say that. I might be missing some really valuable ideas and interaction about the community and about gaming. But, like, I just tune it out. It's like, oh, AJ's ranting about something. Ignore. That's weird because back in the day you would, like, you would highlight something to me about AJ before, you know, I knew who he was or read his yeah. work or whatever. Actually, I'm, I don't know. My, my interactions with AJ are not like that at all. But maybe I just don't read his rants or whatever they are. I just read whatever he texts me. But- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you like ask me a specific question sure. or vice versa. I'm, I... I'm talking in general though about people who just are are overly are just sort of incessantly negative and also feel like I think to some extent, and I'm not saying it's these three guys, but there's other people who feel like they're going to get ahead in this industry and in the cottage industry of writing magic articles by being by negative. being negative. Which, as we know, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm you know that's never going to be a way. I've helped a lot of people in this industry. I've helped a lot of people get a lot of work. I've helped people have very, very successful careers. Um, 
I not one of them has been someone who's been negative. Just in general, I'm not going to help you get ahead if you're just a negative person. Who, I, I don't want to be. But who? I don't wants, want that to be associated with. You. But who wants? I mean, but it, let's. But say, we're, we're, we're sidetracking. No, but talking sake about, of argument, you run a website. Why do you want a negative person in general on your? On, on your staff. I mean, because, like, when Brian Kibler... Why does, why does Gawker succeed? <laughs> I don't think that's the same thing at well, all. But Gawker I'm just saying, courts like, controversy. But, 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 but negative is controversy, right? So, like, they're, the, so they're very intertwined. Brian Kibler wasn't just complaining. He actually made a yes. statement. He said, he said, end this thing, which is a highly controversial thing. And, in fact, that, to me, I can interpret that as a form of protest. Sure. Which is I'm very not, different from just complaining about I'm not, I'm about not talking things. about... I'm, not ta- I'm certainly not talking... Like I said, outside of this, I mean, Kibler certainly has... Pretty, and, and I'm sure Todd Anderson think, had a very valid argument when he... I was very sympathetic to Todd. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think absolutely. the Todd situation, for example, um, was, uh, to me, held up in a much more compelling way than a fair number of people in the past who have gotten freebie invites to the Pro Tour for something that a judge sure. did. I think Todd's is way more salient. Sure. He was about to win the tournament. Right. Like, there, there's... And then it was just a glitch that, right. that killed him, you yeah. know? Yeah. It, it, well, I mean, it, it, but, but to me, to me, I, I think the, the thing that Magic Online needs to do is just break away from paper rules. Like, so, so, so not not for Magic, not for the card game. Like, I mean, obviously, you need the, the game to be. I could see Steve. <laughs> I'm getting ready to jump in. I'm not saying you need to change the rules of the game at all. What I'm saying is, I don't think you can run 800 person events on Magic Online. Oh, I see. What you're I, and I think what you need to do is the mocks. If you have a mox and people are qualified for the mox, you got to flight then, them. Then you flight them into eight flights yeah. or six or four flights, and you know there's just this is how many people are going to be in each flight. And I think PTQs need to do the same thing. I you completely guys, agree. I, you I run think, the top eight the next day. You run the or the, or like, I mean the PTQ can be the PTQ can actually happen over four days. You could have two flights of sure, uh, sure. 128 people. Right, each 120 person. You can't sign up for two flights in the same PTQ season. A PTQ season being eight in Why not? Because you can't. Because people would just monopolize them. You want you want as many people to get in as possible. And at, and you have eight slots. It gets to run across multiple time zones, which is really great for people all over the world. Uh, and then at the end of it, you have eight people who play in the top eight, and that's that. Yeah. And, and so I think that's what you have you, to do. Actually, I, think, actually, I like your idea. What if you did it more like that, but you, you basically ran PTQs as flighted Grand Prix? So instead of instead of just being PTQs, the way that we have a conception of them now, you actually structure it like a Grand Prix, which is talking about these 800-person tournaments. This is basically a Grand Prix, right? So then, then you can change the prize structure. You can do a lot of things differently. You can move it across multiple days. You could schedule it around the people who are successful. Right. Like, let's say for sake of argument, you have like four guys in Japan who made top eight of this thing. Why would you run it in a, t- in a time period that's actually like, not that's a little bit? That's too flexible. That's too you flexible. To, I think you really want to be you like... You need to have a I, schedule. I think, right, I think you want to be like, the top eight for yeah. this PTQ is going to be held on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Like the thing, right? people And are, then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday... Are each two flights set at different times, and people queue up and get into them. The thing, all that people really need to have a satisfying experience is proper expectations and stability. Yeah, and I and I think stability is really just proper expectations, right? Like it's not it's not even asking for a second thing. I think it's just proper expectations and actually getting that. Those expectations. You know, what you're saying is you want the expectations to be to be in line with the with the reality, right? Well, expectations should be in line with reality, and reality should be sort of at a certain minimum bar. Right, and, like I, if, and I think and I think Wizards has to just accept the reality that yeah. Magic Online 
is not. I mean, obvious, obviously, nothing's going to happen with V3 with with the current version main client the beta? until until the, 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 the main client. And then there's the beta, and the beta is what X months away, still seven months away or something. I don't even know. Well, it might be further back now that they're seeing these big setbacks. Sure. In so, so I think what you just need to do is just accept that. To make it more stable, you just need to break away from how... First of all, a Moto PTQ, a Magic Online PTQ, doesn't work the way a real PTQ works. Because you don't have 800 people playing for one slot also, in real-life PTQs. Playing, and the winner isn't Matt Ferrando. <laughs> so playing in 11, that would never happen in reality. <laughs> playing a tournament with 11 rounds of Swiss followed by a top 8... Yeah, it's also it's pretty brutal. brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. That's not a good experience. And, and, Ma- and Magic Online, it's just, like, unforgivable, right? Like, I mean, in terms of, like, unforgiving is what I should say. Oh, because I, you got to wait for the round to end. you just got to wait for the round to end. you got to be there. You know, the alerts are not, you know good. what I mean? Not good. There? Yeah. There aren't any alerts? Yeah, yeah. So, it's just... And rounds can start at varying times, depending on how many people finish when. Yeah. It's really tough to yeah. plan your day I, I just, that. I just think, I just think that the... I would play in. You play in. You, you I play in PTQs that were on flight systems. I will not play in an eleven round cut to top eight event. Of like, not. It's just. But it's three quarters of a day. But who? Who it has ends the, up being three quarters of a who day? Who has the time to set aside to do this thing? What? On play a Saturday? A, I've never had it. I've never in my life had a, had an opportunity to play in a I mean, like, in a moto PTQ. How, Mike, how far Mike, do you drive Mike, for Mike, PTQs? Yeah. Mike. Yeah. Have you? You know the ever, answer is yes. Whatever have the you ever is. turned down a so-called sure thing <laughs> to play in a PTQ? Repeatedly. All right. <laughs> so I also shut I up. Also tried to schedule. <laughs> shut I up. I also tried to schedule around cities sometimes. <laughs> like, say I knew a girl. <laughs> There was a pizza cube weekend. That was there was varying levels of success in these plans. But I mean, you know. I was ruined by my wife. She annihilated all of, all of these things. Playing in PTQs and I, I, lining up strange I, women in other states. I actually remember this. Like, <laughs> so I had my first date with my my wife to be at that point. It was like on a Thursday, and then I came in. You 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 were still on neutral ground. I think it was a PTQ that weekend. It was in Jersey. No, it was. It was in Jersey. It was the Psychotog one. No, I was already married to her at that point. No, it was no like you weren't married. Right yeah. after. No, no, that was when the, the Jersey one was when you told me you were going to get married. I, I came in and I was like, I met this girl. I, I think I, I think she's my girlfriend. <laughs> That's what I said. And she said, I think you might want to check that with her first. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's my girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm like, I have a date with her tomorrow. <laughs> she, it turned out she was my girlfriend. Yeah. I, was, I was pretty sure, but it wasn't really, you know, 100%, 100% in, in, this, in stone yet. Um, and then we saw Greg Kinnear on our second date, uh, and he was pl- he was on a laptop, which was a novel device back then. Yeah. Not everyone had a laptop back in 2001. And he really? Was, really, they did. I had a laptop in, like, 95, because I was using it to run tournaments. Well, yeah, but I think not very many people oh, had to run so. tournaments. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. So uh, Greg Kinnear did, but... Yeah. <laughs> so Greg, but he's, it's like one of those things. I like, still have that laptop. I remember like when I first had a cell phone, I would check it on the bus. I'm like, look at how important I am. I have a cell phone. Okay. But I think like Greg Kinnear was like, there was no data plan. There was no text <laughs> oh, messaging. No, no. You couldn't check it was, his email. You could there was just, just a really long wire <laughs> hanging out the window of his apartment. You could just make phone calls. <laughs> and they were laced out of like this. 
Welcome to Top 8 Magic. <laughs> There's nothing to check. It's not even like it tracked Mason's calls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I, I gotta go to that one in a second. Yeah. So, anyway, but Greg Kinnear was there. And he was in like the, the basement of a, a cozy on like 72nd Street with these seven Cozy two, sandwich shop. Yeah. Yeah, it's right around the corner, right there. Thank you. Um, There's a bench just like this one. Uh, and uh, and it does. Yeah, <laughs> they used to have like comedy shows down there, like, but then they, they they downgraded that cozy to a smaller location later. But he was there, and he was so fat. And I was thinking, like, how come Greg Kinnear is so fat? Is it for a role? And like, and she was like, I I don't know. Maybe he, this is like just celebrities get fat between roles. <laughs> like, oh, I can eat for a while, and then I got to go back. I, and then I, I read later, many, many years later, when right before he did the third Born movie, that Matt Damon was incredibly fat when he got uh, on, on set. And, and he had to lose, like, 45 pounds. So really? He, he had to do the four, third Born. He's like, but I'm a professional. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then he just ripped it all off, and he was ready to rock. I, I, had, I had my minor celebrity day today, actually. Oh, yeah? So we went to Bauhaus, and the chef from Bauhaus was there. He was just on Top Chef. Oh yeah, he was he was the judge on the second episode of Top Chef this season, the one where they had to do the like local, uh, they took him around like local Vietnamese. Yeah, I remember cuisine. that episode. So yeah. that chef, and they all hated him. They thought he was too too yeah. much of a dick. Well, he, so so I I asked him. I was and I never talked to yeah. any celebrity, but I was he was leaving. I'm like, hey, do you have any tips for my Top Chef pool? Yeah, <laughs> and he, he cracked up and he was like, all right, the the chick from the islands is really good. The local guy with the beard is really good. Everyone else sucks dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The punky, the punky butch girl seems you, really good. I'm just telling you what he told me. No, no, the girl from the island clearly is good. I'm just but, telling you what he told me. But the me. punky butch girl's won more challenges than everybody else, hasn't she? Uh, no, the girl from the island is I mean, clearly, in my opinion, those two are. Yeah, are good. But, but he was just like, yeah, yeah, no. good. yeah and, so, then, and then I went to the strand and I saw Louis C.K., but I was too nervous to say anything to him. He was right ahead of me online. That's actually, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, I don't know if I told you this. I bid on this, uh, I, I think I might have won it. I don't remember. I bid on this, like, night to go see, uh, Amy Mann and, uh, and go backstage to meet Amy Mann. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I, I think I won it last. I don't even remember. So, um, and so, like, I'm making a bit. I'm like, well, how much did I bid on this it's for charity? I was like, I don't know, like six hundred dollars. My my sister's like aghast. Like, she's so, she's like so horrified. She's like, why would you spend so much money? I'm like, it's for charity. She's like, I gave you Amy Man tickets with backstage pass last year for your birthday, <laughs> and you didn't go see her backstage. And I'm like, I know, I was too nervous. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just finished watching like all of Louis on Netflix again, just like straight through. Yeah, and it's great. just like I just was like I was like as I, after I left, I was like I just really would have liked to have just told him how impressed I was with him as a director and like his growth as a director, and then and strangled him. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> then held him for ransom. That's like a really different show, you know. Yeah, it's really different. I mean, you're 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 a parent, right? You have small children. I have. Small would you children. ever consider this Halloween costume for your children? For either of your children, it's just like a frame, yeah, like a like a Polaroid looking frame, yep, yep. and today's newspaper, and it's a proof of life. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever consider that, or is that? I think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm trying to try to sell it to my niece next year that's for Halloween. It's great. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think that this this might be too off color. Should I say it? Or it's pretty off color. It's about not things that you can and can't do with yourself. Why don't we talk about the spirit pop-up book I just gave Steve? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, The Spirit by Will. Oh! <laughs> Check out that dude's eye. It's weird. 
<laughs> yeah, I was just in the Strand, and they were, like had this like small stack. Speaking of this, you know Darwin Cook like just completely quit superheroes, and he now just does Parker. Yeah, yeah, good for him. And he's also he's also doing. Uh, IDW is going to publish all the Parker books, the original like yeah. prose, and he's doing all the graphic design and coverage for those. So I guess he he he. I think he was. He, I think he said that he was disappointed with Jason Statham's adaptation, but like he felt oh, like he was. I went to Matt. I went to see it with Matt, yeah. and uh, we were we were so excited. Like we Statham is a stud. Yeah, when and he, I seemed like he was going to be great. Everything I read about it was great. Like Lawrence Block had good things to say about it. Like. A contemporary writer of yeah. Donald Westlake's, and it was just the biggest steaming turd. It was so bad. So, the only way you could cheer yourself up afterwards was to go rob an armored car. Yeah, <laughs> so, obviously, so. and stash all the money in an amusement park. <laughs> so, it, it, I, save it for later. <laughs> I, saw, I saw this the same day that I saw the R.L. Sign interview, and uh, Darwin Cooks is like, he said the most controversial things. I couldn't even believe someone would say it. And he's just like, all these people think they're creators. If you're a penciler on a comic book, I don't know if you're really a creator. And definitely not if you're an inker. <laughs> he's like, an inker is a creator? Come on. And so I was just like, wow. And I, was, and I was thinking, like, this is like one of the most contemporarily celebrated writer-artists in the entire genre. And he's like, people ask me why I quit doing superheroes and I just do Parker adaptations now. Who wrote Parker? Um, uh, Donald Westlake writing as Richard Stark. Yeah, he's like, he's like, because Richard Stark's a way better writer than I am. That's what he said. I mean, Donald, Donald Westlake is. I mean, have you read any of those books? No. Should I just read the ones that Darwin Cook draws? You can no, read those. Read, you should, you should actually, the, you should actually just read the originals. Darwin Cook's real good at drawing comics. Yeah, he really is. He's, He's one really of my good. favorites. I mean, oh, do you remember when I gave you that uh, Selena's Big, Big Score? Score? I didn't give it back to you. I know. <laughs> I wasn't actually going to mention that. BDM's part. slightly smaller score. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say that I got a reprint of it somehow, but I don't think I did. Anyway, uh, anyway, what, what I was going to say is like you mentioned to me like I, I guess her her like she has like people who are in her gang when she's like knocking over Vegas are like references to Parker books, right? Yeah, I think so. And you, you were like, it's crazy! Darwin Cook is such good at, at putting references! <laughs> and you were, and you were, Did you look at this frame when she throws the dice? It's so good! Yeah. yeah. He's my favorite. He's like pretty much my favorite. Um, so... Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's apparently a unusual individual. I know some people who have worked with him and know him. And he's, you know... More or less unusual than Mike Allred? Uh, much more, I think. Much more so, I think. I think much more like... Didn't Mike Allred buy an island with his X-Force money? He might have. <laughs> Mike, Allred, Mike Allred's pretty strange. I've, I've met Mike. Mike's fine. I mean, Mike's a nice enough guy, but like... Didn't he just quit doing comic books that make money for a few years just so he could do the, the Book of Mormon adaptation for a small comic book company? And not the Book of Mormon by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. The Book of Mormon... <laughs> No, I By the I dude who founded the Mormon church, I didn't, I didn't, Joseph Smith. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. He, he just like, eh. I'm just saying like... like one Dar- for Darwin. you, one for me. Dar- <laughs> one for you, one for me. Dar- Darwin, I think, is very... Um, he's just someone who's very contentious. Yeah. He, he tends to... He tends to like toggle his friends on and off sometimes. And the thing about me... I mean like... Hey, did Steve Ditko die? 
No. Oh. <laughs> he's still, he still alive? Yeah. He's yeah, still okay. sleeping in a YMCA somewhere. You know, my, do you know my Steve Ditko story? No. Oh, this is a good story. So, my one of my first... For those of you who don't know, Steve Ditko is the co-creator of Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay? And... Spent uh, most of the 80s and 90s living in a YMCA. And is, is it, well, no. He has, he has a studio in New York, at least when I met him <laughs> in the 80s. Uh, he's a devotee of Ayn Rand. He's, a, you know, so like his Mr. A comic is all about, like, uh, what's it called? Objectivism? Yeah, the fountainhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he, he's, Atlas he's a little bit of a, mm, uh, he's got a little bit of a black and white attitude about the world. Anyway, he's but who also, doesn't? But he's you know, certainly not me or you <laughs> or anyone else. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty gray. I'm pretty gray. Gray That's merchant you're of getting Asphodel. Older. Gray merchant of Asphodel. Um You are pretty gay, gray. So, <laughs> so, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Looking at you in the light, I just got to agree. Uh, anyway, so it's one of my first one of my first jobs. Uh, as a professional, one of my first like real jobs was working for a comic book company. Company's Wally Woods Thunder Agents, Deluxe Comics. It's insane. Right? It's this insane opportunity. I'm a teenager. I get to work with Dave Cockrum, Steve Ditko, uh, so George Dave, Perez. Dave Cockrum is the creator of Nightcrawler, and, and the like, new, he created the new X Men. Yeah, it's a seminal X Men creator. He created the new X Men with Chris Claremont. Um, get an insane run on Teen Titans. George, watch no, more. That's George, George Perez. Perez. Sorry. That's George Perez. Well, everyone, everyone knows who George Perez is. Work, work with George Perez. Work with Rich Buckler. Work with Jerry Ordway. Steve Ditko. Jerry Keith Giffen. Pretty good. Uh, Keith Giffen. How old is he? He's really old. Really? He's been around for a while. So but anyway. he seems like he, like the, the rest of those guys you're saying are like pretty reserved seeming guys. But you know, Keith Giffen's comics are all about like eviscerating Santa. He's Claus. always he's always been a lunatic. <laughs> So literally like Lobo v Santa yeah. Claus. Paul of- Smith. Paul Smith. Paul Smith. Paul just drew my script. He drew. He drew my first full comic book script. Paul Smith's so good. Yeah, inked by Rich Buckler. Um, did it have Kitty Pride in it? It did. No, it did. Because all the Paul Smith was- inked by Rich Buckler comic books I can think of have Kitty, Kitty <laughs> no, Pride. No, in. no. So anyway, but so beautiful. So we, we the, the company puts out this comic book. I I don't work on the first issue. But I come on just before the release of the first issue, and there's a big party for the first issue, yeah. and uh, to take a picture of all the people there. And part, one of the things is you have to take a picture of Steve Ditko. <laughs> and, what do you mean you have to take? A well, picture? you have to take a picture. Which was the idea was get a picture with everybody, right? So you're gonna get a picture of everybody. It's a dubious contest. No, no, no. This was my job. I was like, oh, oh. Like, <laughs> like, take a picture here, here, new guy. Take a picture of everybody at the party. Because I was thinking, including new guy, this is how you're being hazed. No, no, take a picture. Well, I was essentially being hazed. Uh, and get, you know, we, and we had to get everyone to autograph 20 copies of the book. We had 20 copies of the first issue autographed by this ridiculous lineup of sure. people who worked on the book. Was this after Teen Titans? This is after, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. He must, he was already famous. Yeah. So, but anyway, so I go up to Steve Ditko and I take his picture and he goes insane. Apparently doesn't let his picture be taken. I had no idea. And he chases me with a chicken leg. A chicken leg? <laughs> yeah, a chicken leg. It was like a day. It was like a party and there was like people were passing and it's like, like maybe it might have been a drumette. Oh, it might have been like a drumette. A like, chicken a, like, leg? A, like a whatever. Like, and he just chases me and like takes the camera and like rips all the film out of the camera. With greasy fingers? Yeah, with greasy chicken fingers. That's where he seemed to go starry. <laughs> Wow. He co-created Spider-Man. <laughs> Did you ask him after 
the year 2000. I was too scared to talk to him. Spider-Man, if he got a billion dollars. And then, and then two weeks later, I had to go to his studio and try to get him to sign 20 copies of the comic. And he's just like, no. <laughs> no. No. Well, you wonder why Stan Lee is really wealthy now. <laughs> Steve Ditko lived the 80s in a YMCA. I mean, I think I think Steve Ditko might have been emotional. I think he might have been emotionally impaired. Like, like something might have been wrong. I don't know. I would be impaired too if I invented Spider-Man and I got no credit for it. <laughs> oh look, here's a property that's worth. I, what do you think Spider-Man's worth? Billion dollars. Only a billion? I'm. Oh, that, it doesn't matter. No way. It doesn't matter. I mean, like once you cross a billion, who cares? Like I mean, two billion. Okay. <laughs> like Stephen King pegged Stephen King pegged Harry Potter at two hundred billion dollars. I, I, Harry Potter's worth more than Spider-Man. Okay, I but think. not. Maybe. I don't not know. Anymore. Are yeah, you sure? Not. Well, $200 billion is a lot more than a billion. No, it's not. Harry Potter isn't worth $200 billion. (laughs) What? It's not worth $200 billion. Are you sure about that? Yeah, that's like 30 Star Warses. Yeah, I don't think it's that much. I mean, Stephen King wrote Dr. Sleep. Stephen King also (laughs) thinks... Stephen King also thinks that The Shining made with Stephen Weber is better than The Shining made by Stanley Kubrick with Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson. I was aware of that. <laughs> First of all, I knew that. Second of all, it might not be so much that he likes The Shining with Stephen Weber so much as he hates Kubrick's Shining. Which, by the way, if I had written The Shining, if I had written The Shining, I'd be like, shit, Kubrick just directed my movie. Sweet. <laughs> but when I got over that, I'd be like... What the hell movie did he just direct? Because this doesn't resemble my book. Did either of you watch Room 237? No. What is that? It's a documentary. Oh, yes, I've seen this. (laughs) (laughs) It's a documentary just with, like, voice accounts, like, an oral history of people who have theories about about what Stanley Kubrick meant to do in The Shining. And one of the theories is that Stanley Kubrick, he's like, I'm not saying that we didn't go to the moon. I'm just saying what we saw was faked and that it was faked by Stanley Kubrick. And thus my, and thus the shining. <laughs> there's these there's these scenes in this movie, Room 237, where there's just some crazy sitting on a bench. <laughs> they just replay like the same like three second sequence of people moving furniture around. He's like, Do you see the Masonic symbols that oh, are yeah. being entwined? Well the best the best is some woman describes a poster of a skier, a downhill skier. That's just like this just like poster off in the corner. The, the okay. movie's supposed to be in Denver, so you know, in, in Colorado somewhere, right? So it's fine that there's but she's like, see? And if you look, it looks like a minotaur. Like, no, it doesn't look like a minotaur. It looks like a ski. And she's like, see? Now, you could see the ski poles. But if those ski poles weren't there, I mean, obviously, it's a minotaur. And and she just goes off about how it's a minotaur. So there's a great New York Times interview with, like, Kubrick's assistant. Yeah. And he's just like, no, it's a freaking skier, you <laughs> lunatic. No, no. Half man, half beast. Minotaur. <laughs> Pretty simple equation. Speaking of minotaurs, have you been watching uh, American Horror Story Coven this year? I haven't. I haven't. Is, is it really good? I, I would watch it. And by I would watch it. I mean I've watched all the episodes. Okay. I, I, mean, I, 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 I mean to I, I, you know I fell off last year in the middle of the second me season. Too. But and, when and, I moved. That and then was it problem. wasn't it wasn't really available on demand. It's on it's, Netflix. Now. It's on Netflix now. Okay. So, so I'm going to watch it on Netflix then, and then I'll just catch up with this season next. I love Jessica Lange on the show. She's so good. I, the concept of the show is so amazing. They use basically. Steve, this, you, you're watching yeah, this, right? Scary. <laughs> They use basically the same cast every year, but they play different characters. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a repertory really cool, theater. Yeah. It's like a repertory theater. It's, it's, so, it's such a cool idea. And the thing that's really weird is like it, it transcends, like, you know, witchcraft, 
torture porn, alien abductions and stuff. And it's created by the same dudes who invented Glee. And, and Nip Tuck. And Nip, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's less interesting when you say Nip Tuck. Because they act like, yeah, that has a lot of cutting and stuff. But freaking Glee, the most feel-good show of all time. Until, you know, the main star dies of a drug overdose. Yeah. But man, have you seen Leah Michelle's bikini body? Because she likes to show it on Instagram. Oh, no, I haven't. It's excellent. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Uh, so, what else are we talking about? Uh, let's see. Besides Glee. Glee. Get Glee. Get, oh, uh, so the other thing I want to say about Gauntlet is, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty funny. Brian is going to know this reference real quick. Okay. So, a few years ago, there was a player who was preparing for a pro tour. And it was the block pro tour with, uh, with, uh, uh, that Guillaume Afatapa won with Mystical Teachings. But the Big Moto deck going into that, into that term, does anyone remember what the Big Moto deck was? White Weenie. Yep. And, um... It wasn't a Moto deck. It was a Magic, it was a Magic League deck. Oh, a Magic League deck. It won a huge Magic League event. There wasn't even, because the new set wasn't, or, or maybe it was Moto, I don't even remember now, but it was oh, a, yeah, Magic it was a Magic League deck. It was definitely so, a Magic League deck. There was, there was a player who speaks Portuguese who was preparing this Magic League deck of White Weenie, and he became a friend-slash-fan of ours from the podcast, and we were testing against him, me and Brian were testing against him, on Moto, and he was playing his white weenie deck. And what card am I going to reference, Brian? Sulfur Elemental? No. I don't remember. It's Gauntlet. What, 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 what's a Gauntlet of Power? Was that the name of it? Gauntlet of Might. Gauntlet of Might? The one that doubles your, doubles your mana and... Yeah, plus I think that's Gauntlet of Might. Might, yeah. So, whatever the Power Glove is, right? Yeah. So we made a mono green Dauntless Dower Bark deck. Now, do you remember? Yes, I remember that deck. So we plowed all this mana into into our into our mana pool and like made. How do we? Was it Vertiloth the Ancient? Is that yeah, how? Yeah. So we made like di tokens with Vertiloth the Ancient, and I remember distinctly. I don't remember which one of us said this, but I, we were like one less than that. We like left one mana floating. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we're like a huge run off the agent, and he force uh, he white force spikes us right. Manitive. And then we pay, and he's like, nice, GG. That's first of all, that's got to be me because Steve can testify to this. My ability to read yeah. what bizarre card my opponent's about to play on Magic Online yeah. is, I, uncanny. is uncanny. I, I did it again, so I'm, I, I wish you'd been there for this, Steve. So I'm playing Magic Online. I'm playing the. The, it's a mono blue devotion deck with green. Have you seen this deck? No. So it uses master uh, uses uh, master biomancer in the sideboard. No, no, no. This is a main deck. It's like the I, one that made top eight of the Star City uh, Open had just. Oh, had I haven't seen. I'm just going. Oculus in the I'm just going based. This is based off a deck that biomancer's um, and master of waves. Yeah. It's, um, it's yeah. The, the mono master deck. Hey, mono master deck. So, so, so anyway, mono master. Yeah, so Mini play, master. Mini. So so I'm, yeah. So I'm playing this deck. So, so can you explain some, what the interaction would be between Master Biomancer? All your Biomancer, all your Master Waves tokens would come in with plus two, plus two if you had a Master a bio, Master Biomancer. In play. Is that all? That's it. But they would stay even <laughs> if your Master of Waves died. So, but anyway, so I'm playing, and so my opponent goes turn three, um, Fabled Hero. I would just like to show my appreciation for the street corner. Yeah, the, I mean, we haven't said any of it on but like that was just like <laughs> an episode of Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Adult, uh, adult women made up with like you know high heel shoes. Sure. And, and their own charge cards. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. E- either, <laughs> either it was an episode of Valley Appeal or a high paid escort service. Uh, so anyway, so he plays Fabled Hero yeah. on turn three. Nothing. Else. He hasn't done anything else. 
gun taps. I've, I'm doing my thing, and it's like turn four, and I'm like, is this guy going to play Indestructibility? And he plays Indestructibility on his fabled hero. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, but you how is Steve? You, not- you didn't do anything with it, though. You just, you just read it? Yeah, I just read it. I mean, but it was like, it was like, who puts their opponent on playing indestructibility I say, on top of fabled hero? I would. I want to say it was me who said to leave him on a floating, but I'll let you have this. I'm one. pretty sure it was me. And anyway, so it was sweet, right? So we crushed him on that play, and he was just like, "Sweet, GG." And then yeah, that deck was actually also very good against mystical teachings. Why didn't it get played by anyone? Was it? It was not? pretty. Bad. I mean, it was like some goofy deck of ours. But I right? think it was good. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but then that player was. Andre Coimbra. Andre Coimbra. And then, like, people's like, how did, Andre Coimbra, how did you, like, hook up with Mike? And he was just, like, a top eight match. Much like Gavin Verhey, who's now in uh, actually, 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 Andre, Andre and I got, I got to know Andre through his early success. I, I got to know him after Yokohama. Yeah, but I didn't so know I did, him. John, I think I introduced you guys, actually. Yeah. I don't think it was actually through the podcast. I think it was through the podcast. Andre and I wound up being uh, travel buddies and playtest partners for a couple of years. Yeah, after this, though, right? Yeah. Because through the podcast. Yeah. Okay, sure. Actually, did you see the pot, the tweet from Voltaire uh, Abaya today? Yeah, he said we're making him poor because he only plays Magic when we podcast. <laughs> Which I, was a really nice thing to say. So did people, how, did, how did people react to the uh, user-generated content? They loved I mean, like, so people apparently didn't listen to it until today, even though we put it up last week. I guess they don't, like, look on manadeprived.com over the weekend for podcasts. Oh, okay. So, I, actually, the reason I wanted to cast today is Monday. We did our last cast on, like, Thursday or Friday last yeah. week. It's because I'm just going out to dinner with V on Thursday, so I'm not going to do Thursday. Okay. <laughs> um, and then maybe I'll some, steal some ideas from him. He's, 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 he's good for that, right? Yeah. He's full of ideas that he can steal. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, I guess we're up a hole in people's pockets around Magic the Gathering. Awesome. Um, or at least so, Voltaire so Maya. Mike and I have been talking. I think I talked to you a little bit about this. Okay. So what we want to do with the podcast, and we'd like to loop you into this, is as we go into the next PTQ season, try to really, like, provide our listeners with a survival guide for PTQ season. And you are, you are, uh, you're our guy here. We're going to go to you. We're going to lean on you for just some, like, common sense PTQ survival. What do you mean by common sense? Like, my, I mean, well, like I don't have any common sense. I, let's just who's won a PTQ more recently, you or Steve? I don't oh, know. Wow. I don't no. know the answer to that question. <laughs> Steve got on the Pro Tour by like borrowing Dave Humphrey's Pro Tour points. That's after I won a Grand Prix with. So Steve, I've never played before. <laughs> so Steve. Well, that's not a PTQ though. No. Yeah. Actually, uh, I think we won. Uh, the, we last won a PTQ together. Is actually the. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> trick question. Iceberg. And then Steve went on won a Grand Prix that summer, and then he parlayed that to, like, a couple years in the gravy train. Yeah. I didn't win a Grand Prix, so I didn't do that. Yeah. But I did win states yeah. that year. You could have <laughs> I crushed states that year. Yeah. I used lightning. And, it, and if you use the amount of words written about each respective victory as a gauge, that was a much more important <laughs> event. Actually, you know, I, think, I think a lot of people have written about the Flash Hulk deck. Yeah, oh, my God. That deck was so good. Yeah, but, but anyway, actually did this really nice infographic on how to play the deck like, really? a month or two ago. Yeah. Where was that when you were playing in round three? That's what I said. <laughs> Speaking of Owen Turtonwalls, here's something fun. Say you're sitting across from someone at a Grand Prix. That person, you look at them like, well, this person's played on the Pro Tour several times. He might even be a Grand Prix champion. And he he shows you a two card combination, and he says, "Go off." Do you just pick up your cards? Or you just say, "No." 
why don't you show me? <laughs> because if you're playing against either me or Steve, <laughs> this is a disaster waiting to happen. Well, I mean, to be fair, so Steve hadn't been playing. You, you'd gone away to college. It was your first year at school. Yeah. And you would, you were really good about it, right? You are like, I'm going to school. I'm not going to play Magic while I'm at school for whatever. And however long that lasted, half a year... Uh, if that. <laughs> it lasted longer than I lasted in grad school. <laughs> but but then you were like, oh, I'm going to play in this Grand Prix, Grand Prix and I'm going to get a deck from... No, we had the deck. That was that was known. Uh, I wasn't going to go to that tournament, but Julian convinced me to go. Because we had the deck. Yeah. Oh, were you playing that deck too? I mean, we, we tested it at my house. So it was like, that's what we did back then. I didn't go to the tournament. Yeah. But like, you know... We had the, I mean, so what happened is Patrick Chapin was the first person I knew who identified the thing, and he's like, "Here's the combo. Now go break it, right?" So like, he's like, "This combo will be known to some degree, yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is a breakable system. The legacy players are not gonna, they're not gonna acknowledge this. This doesn't fit into their paradigm, okay? Like, so this is, but this is the thing to do. And Billy Moreno put it together with like the right combination of stuff." To be unbeatable. Well, I mean, also, like, the first... I think the first version of that deck had all these, like, weird X... So, like, all these spells that cost X. All these creature spells that cost X. So you could just search for infinite of them. And, like... Yeah, like, it, was like, four, like it was, like, four Disciple of the Vaults and... Yeah, so... And then X... It was like and shield then as many, spheres, yeah. as many shield spheres as you could find. But the, the, the and thing they was would that, all just go that, that version could do way more damage than the version that Steve played. But no, 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 that's not true, right? You, your, your version had to deal damage in combat. That was the limitation. I mean, his damage and his, it was more fragile. It, it, it you was could more break fragile. it up with the removal spell. So, like, I was, uh, I could get broken up by sword slashers, lightning bolt, like all sorts of things. But the, the but you right? played a combo. Yep. But you played like a combo control version. Like you had the ability to like force a will stuff. And... No, but the the real reason that it was better was because it used fewer slots, yeah. so he could yeah, fit yeah, a yeah, second yeah. combo in his deck. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, that was the deck. Yeah, maybe the greatest one to have a construction. But anyway, we, we just kind of like want to see if we can get some listeners qualified for the prize tomorrow. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, and just like really like you know, and it's so. By the way, it's standard. The next constructed PT. I wish it were. I actually was really excited. I was like, maybe I'll dust off the old sleeves and play some modern PTQs. Yeah, it's, it's standard, but that's good. It's good that it's standard. But I actually, did I tell you? I actually have a modern deck that nobody's ever heard of that I've played on Moto a couple times. Seems pretty great. I think I'm gonna keep it under my hat for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I was really excited. I was thinking about Artificer's Intuition until Steve reminded me that since he's defining top is banned. <laughs> Bullshit. I think there's like a lot of really good cards that people don't play in concert with one another that are just played in only in some other decks. But let's be honest. Uh, I'll probably just play the Spreading Seas Vapor Snag deck because it's too awesome. I didn't even realize that Spreading Seas just gives all your guys unblockable. I just thought oh. it was awesome against Jund. Oh, the, like, the, the, your, you your about deck, the... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, actually, your deck's probably just better than mine. I don't know. Ether Vile. Ether, Ether Vile so good. We were talking about Ether... I mean, Raph Levy ended up playing it after he saw it at the Grand Prix, but Ether Vile... You lost Tom Ether Aether Vile up to Master of Waves and Kira, great glass spinner. And, uh. Which is a great trick with Ether Vile, right? And um, in addition, you can play Spreading Seas, which just screws up Jun decks, which is what it was good for in Standard. But then in this deck, you have Lord of Xanatis, so all your guys are unblockable. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. like, oh by the you... way, everyone, if you're playing Aether Vial, just use it all the time. Use it every turn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, just use tap it, it yeah. for nothing. Use it. <laughs> so, just just to get in the habit of doing that and just, just make your it. opponent think about it. And, yeah. Or not think about it in this case, maybe. Do it every turn. <laughs> just tap it, and even if you don't put anything in the play, why? Huh? Because if you ever, let's say, want to sneak in 
Akira or some other card that has an immediate impact on the board that interacts with other cards that you have. Oh, people will... It'll mess up their tempo, right? Exactly. You want people off guard. If you're only doing it when you have a very relevant thing to do, then you're going to miss out on opportunities. To That's a great tip. Yeah, and people do that all the time. Like, So if you, you know, I, I thought about that today. Actually, I just did a draft, and my opponent had an oh, turn two omen speaker. Okay. And I had a turn three wingsteed rider. And he didn't attack into my wingsteed rider. Like, like. He can't block. I'm, what am I going to do, right? Am I going to, like, just. I'm going to let his 1-3 bump up against my 2-2 two two and nothing happens. Well, it's a total free roll. It's a him. free roll, right? Like, you have to just take the swing there. Even if you even if you just go, eh, I didn't have anything, and I block. You lose whatever. nothing I, by doing that. Yeah. Like, I can't do anything. I'm tapped out. I've tapped out on turn three. So it's like, you just have to go through those motions all the time. You have to remember. Like, those. that's the difference, right? That's where people find those extra, like, percentage points is, like, just remembering to, like... Your opponent has to respect that you have a trick or that you have a pump yeah. spell. Or well, he doesn't have to, but no. he will lose value if he doesn't at least Anything think about you, it, right? Any given round, any given tournament, that doesn't necessarily matter. But there's a reason why these play- these top players are able to consistently put up results. You don't necessarily uh, see that impact I, I, on any one of them. I was that. actually thinking about it, right? So you probably weren't watching this game, but it was like, Last possession of the, the the game that the Cavs lost to, like, some terrible team last week. I think it was, like, the Bobcats, maybe. Okay. And no, uh, and Kyrie's going to have the go-ahead shot. He's the best He's the best player in the last two years at, at the at the tie or, or go-ahead in the fourth quarter. There's 24 seconds on the clock, and he beats he beats his man, right? He's about, to, he's about to put the game away by one point, dribbles the ball off his foot. Oh no! He only had turnover, two turnovers on the game, but one of them was that one. Oh no! He was he was just about to win the game right there, and uh, and I was thinking about it. Like I looked at his line; his line was fantastic. He had two turnovers on the game, but one of them happened to be that one. By the way, he had like a nineteen point fourth quarter. Like you can't, sure. you can't, uh, you can't fault him for it. I'm here it. in choke artist. What? Huh? I'm here in choke artist. <laughs> Stephen A., what do you have to say about this? I mean, choke artist over that double overtime what victory. What doing, playing soccer? <laughs> against, uh... Oh, oh, Mike, I'm sorry. You're carry champion, and we're sports shouting. Uh, I mean, is there such a thing as a choke artist? I mean, like, great game. Nah, I heard he's a choke artist. So anyway, my point is... Okay, close, like, let's play in soccer. So, so if you... Move to Europe if you want to play soccer. That's what I say. If you, uh... You do this stuff like, you know, tap your Aether Vial, etc. Yeah. You're giving your opponent the chance, who might be playing a really good game otherwise, to dribble the ball off his foot. Or to abrupt decay your Aether Vial, or, I don't know. Well, not that they're going to do that, but you know what I mean. I mean, they like, might just do it, right? They like, might if, just if they only have to... one thing, and you, they think it might be Kira Great Glass Spinner, they might just blow it up, because yeah. what else am I going to do? Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I think magic's just about... I think the. I mean, we've talked. You and I have talked about this for years, Mike. Right, like the operational aspect of magic. You have to like, at least respect that. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that if you do, if you don't, like, I mean, like Steve, you've thought about these things. You're, you're like, if I play Aether Vial, this is something that goes through your head. You're like, I've got to remember to just like tap my Aether Vial all the time. I got to always remember to just go. And this, what you want that, that to be automatic? For? No. no. What, what, what was that? Like she was obviously like. Huh? Do you not notice her? No, it's Mary Jane Watson. She's a big Steve Ditko fan. <laughs> Mary Jane, no, she had like. Face it, Tiger. You hit the jackpot. <laughs> I didn't hit the jackpot. I'm still sitting on this bench Steve with Ditko you guys. Steve Ditko fan. She loves chasing people around with chicken wings. 
Promets. No, I was saying, like, what look was that supposed to be? Hmm? Her look. I don't know, like Mad Men? You think it was Mad Men? I think it was yeah. Mad Men, yeah. Sounds like I think it was a Mad Men kind of look. It was kind of like a retro New York City... Yeah, I wasn't sure what it was. Cause it was sexually like... harassed office worker look. Anyway, you were talking about something other than... Oh, yeah. The so topic the at hand. Is, you want to get these operationally correct plays to the point where they're automatic, and you can focus on the big things. You can try to understand what's different about this game than all these other games you've played in this matchup, all these other similar situations you've been in, and being able to catch these warning signs, being able to hone your spider sense. I, I used to not play around anything. Did you, you know, like I never used, used to like think about what is in my opponent's hand at one point. Sure. The sad thing is, I'd won multiple PZQs. Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of. So there's a lot of. Here's here's the thing that's tricky for people, right? Like a lot of times, you know, especially you you know, you talk about like a small sample size, really providing um, bad data for people. And so, like a lot of times, you'd be like, well, you know, I played around the fact that I, you know, he passed turn four with four mana up, white, white, green, green, and I thought he had divine verdict. So I didn't want to just like run my wingsteed rider. So I just attacked with my 2-2 and left my Wingsteed Rider back. Right? Like, I just, I have all this good stuff. I can make my Wingsteed Rider into a 5-5 with lifelink next turn. I'd rather wait until he's tapped out than give him the opportunity to kill it. And then he never does anything. Right? Your opponent never, oh, he didn't have the Divine Murder. Right? You can't, like, if that's the correct play, then you've got to make that play. Just, you have to play that consistently to find out if that's correct or not. You know, to, to play around stuff or to, you know, to have that kind of. Right. I mean, does that, does that make sense? Is that sort of in line with what you're talking about? Oh, uh, it's like, a little bit different. So, like, there's understanding what the <laughs> default correct play is, right? And then getting all of your operational stuff, all of the this sort of understanding of what is sort of abstractly appears to be correct. Right? Having this baseline level of play, right, where so you're doing a lot of good I'll things ask on you a autopilot. Specific question. Yeah, a super specific question. I don't know if you guys at home or you guys... I'm sure you guys do this, but I don't know if the people at home do this. But I just have, like, imagine board situations and have, like, internal monologues about what I would do in a certain situation. Yeah. I'm playing a legacy tournament, and I'm playing Grixis Delver, okay? Okay. I'm going first. Sure. <laughs> I'm going first. Yeah. And my opponent is Chris Pakula. Okay. <laughs> my opponent is Chris Pakula. I and you're not wearing any pants. <laughs> Okay, I'm wearing pants. Okay, maybe I don't know. I didn't imagine that part. No, this, this is a serious question. Okay. Oh no! Okay. Myth All right, so uh, I've got a Delver of Secrets in my hand, and I've got a Young Pyromancer in my hand, along okay. with some cantrips. But I'm going first, and I also have a Cabal Therapy. My opponent is Chris Bakula. What card do I Cabal Therapy? <laughs> like. You know how you always brag about how you're able to get so much stuff done because you barely sleep? Yeah. You should probably get more sleep. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, everyone, Chris McCool always plays Rogue Delver, right? Yeah. Yeah, so what card do you name? I, I don't know. Well, Force of Will. Really? I don't know. I would have named Lightning Bolt because I want to get my young Pyromancer down and hope it, hope it lives. I might get some more sleep. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Just, go to bed. Then, then, right after I had this thought... If, I, I would actually see, based on my earlier story, I would name Divine Verdict. <laughs> just so I could attack with my Wingsteed Rider. You know? Am I right? Am I right? Then I was thinking about it. I'm like, I'm playing Grixelver. I probably have Gitaxian Probe in my hand, too. <laughs> that makes it so much easier. 
Is Grixis Delver actually a thing? It's one one open. I think it's okay. it's, pre- it's 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 like a pretty interesting deck. Like, hey, did True Name Nemesis win an open this weekend? It won an open this what, past what, weekend. What was the deck? Blue White Stoneblade with True Name Nemesis. Oh. I can pull up the deck list. I think yeah, no, I don't think this counts as uh, as looking things up, even though it's blatantly looking. What do you think up. of that card, Steve? It seems very good. Yeah, that's the kind of card you would play in Legacy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In my control deck. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm surprised that it's not in like a deck like like some of these kind of Delver type decks. Well, so I'm, I'll tell you, it probably that, will be right. Like, I mean, it just seems like just like it's just like a better Invisible Stalker. Yeah, but the Delver decks and legs, you don't play in. I understand Stalker. that they don't, but I'm saying like but, an infinitely better. Well, listen to this, right? So it's got three Snapcaster Mage, four Stoneforge Mystic. Three True Name ne- Nemesis, two Vendillion Click, four Jaces. Those are the three. What's kind of insane about that deck is how recently all of those cards have been printed. Yeah. What? Like, with you want more recent cards? One Batter Skull, one sort of uh, Fire and Ice. So, which which sword you play in Legacies? You know, that says something about you. When Owen Turtonwald. Well, made, Sword of Fire and Ice is the oldest card there. Well, right. When Owen Turtonwald made top eight of that Grand Prix with, with when he played Stoneboy, he played Sword of Body and Life, which wasn't even playable in Standard at the time. Uh, and he said it was awesome. Uh, so four brainstorm, one celestial flare. You want to talk about recent I cards? Don't even know. What That's that it's white white and sacrifice uh, target player sacrifices an attacking or blocking creature. So celestial. It's, really, it's, it's actually really good against uh, oh, true name nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. So so does meek stone by the way. Uh, As our oh, lax pointed out, to one me. counter oh, wow. spell. Great Good. Yeah, no kidding. One counter spell, four force of will. One you should sp- hire him. <laughs> one spell pierce, one spell snare, four swords of shares, one Umazawa's Jitsei. Oh, he's got a lot of equipment. He's got three equipment. Yeah, well, you know, it's six. One and supreme verdict. Uh, sideboard, one main Riki Gusari. He's really got a lot of equipment. Oh, main Riki Gusari. Do you remember when I made the, the red white deck with poor main Riki Gusari? Yeah. And I was like, it was like crushing all those Kitsugis, and then Tiyoshi was like, I think when you play this deck, you might just want to play Jitsei. <laughs> Um, one Pithing Needle, two Meddling Mage, a fourth True Name Nemesis in the sideboard, one Detention Sphere, three Rest in Peace. Rest in Peace has really done a lot of work in Legacy. Yeah, that cartoon's think, awesome. Do you guys know, um, our friend's playing at a church called St. James. It's supposed to be right on no the idea. No. Waverly. Sorry. Godless heathens here. Oh, I, I don't care if yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I, I swear. <laughs> one Fluster Swarm, Fluster Storm, sorry. One Pad to Exile, two Swan Song, more new cards. Oh, yeah. Swan Song! One Venser Shaper Savant and another Supreme Verdict. So Supreme Verdict has really taken uh, taken Wrath of God's place in well, Legacy. It makes it's sense. Just, it's right? just insane in Legacy, right? Like, in ter- like if you're going to cast that a four mana spell, you want it to be one you can't get countered. Well, it, unlike Wrath of God, it can be pyroblasted, Brian. Not that that would do anything, <laughs> but it could be pyroblasted. Sure, if you needed to get a card out of your hand. <laughs> Oh man, actually that makes me that makes actually how sick would how sick would that play? You sit down to play your opponent, you're like, man, that is so disappointing to learn that you can pyroblast the Supreme Verdict. <laughs> so this actually makes me a little <laughs> I guess pretty I mean, that's not an inaccurate statement. Okay. So, so like if your opponent pyroblasts, then it would be awesome. So so uh, this actually makes me a little sad or nostalgic for a story. Uh, regionals 1998. My teammate Dan Bridey is the last standing member of TDC, playing for top eight. Top eight's a slot. Playing uh, Sly, and of the, uh, I had to send this girl home because I was playing the Sly Red Green match. <laughs> if you know this story, so he's playing Sly deck, and his opponent is Seth Byrne playing Rainbow Rainbow Blue for top eight. Matchup hugely in favor of Bridey. Uh, and Bridie is manuscript. Is this in the, in New York? Is this it's in New, New York? Yeah, I remember this so, tournament. 
uh, Bridie's badly, ba- badly slow on mana and ends up losing to a Rainbow Freak, which is, like, so unlikely for this matchup. Yeah. And I'm just, like, standing there, like, shaking my head because I don't think Seth's deck is even very good. Yeah. Uh, let alone... Didn't, should... didn't Seth end up playing Steve O in the quarterfinals of that event? I don't remember. I left after... after <laughs> top eight. So, but, um, but... I just remember rooting for this jerk Seth Byrne to lose. Yeah, so... <laughs> so yeah. Oh, he was such a jerk. So, Seth, oh. Bye, Seth. <laughs> Seth is able to get the Rainbow Free Town and eventually kill Bridie, and Bridie dies with multiple pyroblasts in his hand. And he's like, oh, man, Mike, I know I let you down. I'm sorry. That's my old teammates. He's all, whenever they lose a match, they let me down, right? Uh, and there's nothing I could do. I was slow on mana. I couldn't get my curse scroll under. And, you know, I couldn't do anything but the Rainbow Free because, of, you know, it can phase out and everything. I'm just, like, shaking my head. And he's like, what? And I'm like, you could have pyroblasted lands just to get cards out of your hand. And raced his, his rainbow free and killed him with your curse scroll. And he's like, you could do that? <laughs> Read the card! <laughs> yeah, it was the worst. Yeah. So. He's like, I could have pirated so, lands. There you go, folks. Always tap your curse, uh, your, your ether vial, and never pyroblast the Supreme Verdict. You could pyroblast the Supreme Verdict. I mean, you could. If you're playing against Mike, you should definitely do that. I mean, look, what if it's a game-ending... I'll give you an example, right? I'm, I'm playing a Raphael Levy in a future match. I'm like, he's about to kill me. I desperately need a Wrath, right? So Are you, play, are you playing some kind of black-white cycle? Yes, deck? obviously. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm like, so there's like a huge crowd, right? So it's, the game's going to be decided in the next two turns, you know? And he's, I'm, he's basically got lethal on me. And I pull a Wrath, and I'm like, thank God, and I cast it. And then I'm like, I'm like yeah! And I'm like... I'm like fist pumping whatever I play it and uh, you know it, it's a, an Acroma's Vengeance and it blows up all of his equipment that was going to kill me and he's like alright regenerate my troll estate <laughs> and I was just like making it like oh this will save me and blow up all of your permanents too yeah. but it turns out that you could just regenerate his troll aesthetic uh, he, he, got he you, saw that he, he saw got that. you with onboard trick uh, even after all of your carny training <laughs> dude a lot of people would just fold it at that spot you know sure. it's actually the case you're in a feature match situation. You were like, you're... Raph, this way to the great egress. <laughs> and he's like, no thanks, I'm not ready to leave. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> that's a... That's a yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, you know. You'll figure it out. It's on Wikipedia, folks. So, all right, I think we're... Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Steve Saden, Mike Flores, Brian David Marshall, Top 8 Magic. Thanks. 